Yo, what's up, guys? This is episode 10 of the Pokey Talk podcast in the double digits officially. And uh, yeah, really excited to be recording another episode. What's going on, Philip? Hey, not too much, not too much. I'm uh, finally about moved out of my place. It's been a long time coming. That's been uh, preoccupying a lot of my time, unfortunately. Yeah, you've been Moving busy the last stuff. couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's been nonstop. If it's not me at work, it's uh, me getting things packed up or getting things ready for the new place. It's just been nonstop. I'm ready for it to be done. Yeah. I'm starting to turn my eyes back to uh, pulling the trigger on the Ninja 290X, though. Nice. Yeah, you've been watching yeah. that a little closer? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And it's it's actually fallen in price a little bit, or at least the buyers have been more responsive to decreasing the price, and it's looking right up my alley in terms of price range I was looking at. Some of them are asking for like 500 raw, like four or 500 raw, and I'm just like, I don't think it's worth that right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to keep an eye out. Um, you know, I just want to tell everybody – I'm seeing a lot of resistance to the decline. Um, you know, we've seen a couple of these in the, this past six months where, you know, you think the cards are maybe at their bottom and it's a good time to buy. Overall, it has been a really good time to buy, um, but we still see some things keep trickling down. But uh, I feel like there's something in the air, like it's a little different this summer. Maybe the summer is going to be a lull, but I think going into next winter, people are going to really evaluate things. And I think what it is, people are just thinking they're being a little more smarter with stuff they're buying and all that. And uh, yeah, just just across the board and, and different markets as well. Yeah, I think you'll see a lot of Christmas money being spent, which is very common with these with the this sort of market that pretty much benefits from expendable income. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of not not everybody's like trying to save their money, but I do think that there is some limitations that people are putting on spending right now, and I think you'll see more spending towards the end of the year, kind of what you usually see in the fourth quarter, but. Uh, yeah. I think you'll start seeing a little bounce back in certain markets. Like things are at the all-time low. I think you'll see it, like you know, maybe ten to fifteen percent in some areas. Yeah, and even even the crypto market. Like I was just listening to something uh, this morning about this guy. There's a big Miami crypto convention here last weekend, I think. And uh, you know, he just made the comment that I found really interesting. You know, a lot of these big companies really never showed up at these events and uh he said this time around you know the market being an all-time low for the last couple of years like more and more big companies are starting to finally get interested they've seen the craze die down you know they were they're old money so they're more patient and they wait for mm -hmm. the craze to die down and uh finally you know, they're thinking the government might step in with some regulations and finally make it investable. And they're thinking of it more as like a software rather than a currency and how it can apply in that way. And uh, I think that's applying to a lot of markets, you know, with Pokemon. The hype's died down, so people still here are really calculating their next move. People who missed out on the hype are now thinking about jumping in. So it's 
things are very calculated now. It's not just easy money. So I think we're really starting off, you know, at the all-time lows for the last two years on a really good note, being more calculated and coming from a better position. And like I said, you're seeing that in crypto, seeing that in Pokemon. You know, you're seeing everyone just generally taking a step back, taking a breath, and then like seeing how to go about it the right way, essentially. I also think there's a little bit of people trying to get out and about. People been, you know, it, locked in in some cases, it feels like, for having cabin fever basically for about two years. And this summer, a lot of people are able to finally get out about. I think people are, their money's, a lot of people's monies are going towards that right now as well. Yeah. That's kind of why I think like the colder months, people will yep, yep. get bored again and they'll be interested. Uh, but uh, yeah, for this episode, we're going to kind of touch on some of that stuff. Um, but it's mostly going to be about things we would change about the hobby, whether that be the TCG or like TCG driven content. Um, essentially, what would we change to make the hobby a better place going forward now that all the hypes died down. I think that's a a good thing for everyone to look at and uh, how they can personally make the hobby better, whether that just be for your collection, having more fun, not worrying about the craze or, you know, all aspects of it, essentially. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the news real quick, might be a little shorter news section this week. We don't have a whole lot. But we have a couple things about the Lost Origin. We have the pre-release promos that did get released, um, or revealed, rather. And uh, it's actually going to be the first pre-release set or pre-release event since Sword and Shield base set, which is pretty nuts. And I think that came out like February 2020 or maybe, you know, sometime around there. But... uh, yeah, what do you think? We got a nice Gengar, Machamp. Um, yeah, I actually like the Gengar artwork on on this one. Uh, you know, I'm usually... Gengar, I like most of his cards anyways, though. But even the Machamp, I thought, was pretty decent. Yeah, we have a Comfy, too. Well. Like the little um, flower Pokemon and Finian yeah. as well. But Yeah, I, th- I thought the the artwork is good for that one as well. All the uh, it's very colorful, very colorful. Yeah, it's almost got like a neon, like '80s vibe, you know, with Giratina and his origin form and all the smoke around him and stuff like that. But uh, definitely got well, strong diamond and pearl vibes with the. Which I definitely form. think that is at least partially intentional. Um, you know, even even have that with the V Star mechanic as compared to. The uh, for the level X, the similarities between those two, and another thing I like is this Giratina colorful fog that appears on both Pokemon cards or Pokemon in the set and trainers in the set. I think it's a very unique and novel idea. Uh, I know you've mentioned they've done it in other sets, but I still think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it adds a different like flair to the set like you have origin and on the especially on the build battle box and stuff like that they really show the artwork with the design and some of the pokemon have it a lot of trainers have it and it's just nice little flair for sure it gives it it gives it kind of like a spooky feel you know 
and it's fitting because it does come out well for Lost Origin comes out September 9th. So that's not terribly far from Halloween. Um, a lot of people they start getting the Halloween mindset the moment it hits fall, like so late September. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really like that vibe. It really does feel almost like a fall Halloween set. There's a lot of ghosts that they revealed within the set, and it just that has just the vibe. Even the uh, Del Fox, like he's got that same Giratina fogs surrounding him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the Japanese side um you know it's gonna be what is it the uh dark phantasma and uh lost abyss so lost abyss is getting ready to come out in japan so those two sets will make up our lost origin so we do have some other cards revealed from the other sets but uh yeah i can't wait to see what we have It, it does seem like this might be the slightly spooky Halloween theme because um, the next set might not come out till like November. But I also that, you know, November is kind of the time of a special set. So I wonder what they'll do for that. But uh, other than that, though, I mean, we got you, you wanted to mention something about the, uh, the pack art and the ETB art and all that stuff. Yeah, so we're going to be touching up on a little bit on this um, within the actual main topic, but this, the ETBs and the design that they've been incorporating more, both within the Poke Center variant and the regular version, they've really start to aim at collectors and start really highlighting the artwork. If you look at some of the earlier ETBs, it's kind of dull, aren't they? I think they are anyways. They're more like almost minimalist in, in design. and Yeah. And there's Even like the I Hidden mean, Fates one, like they almost, they put the birds together, but it's almost like, I don't know, copy and paste design style. Yeah. It's just like it could be the XY variant and then it'll be like Sun and Moon variant. And you just look at them and they look kind of bland, I feel like. But there's still some of those core elements that you see in those older ETBs that you still see a little bit in the artwork with everything I feel like since Celebrations. Um, and in this particular one, I personally think actually the regular ETB is better looking than the Poké Center ETB. But honestly, I find the artwork on this one highly collectible. Just like how it was also with the Brilliant Stars and the Arceus. I feel like this is definitely one worth collecting just to have it as a showpiece or just have it to chill somewhere, uh, even if it's in your collectible tote, which mine might very well be coming. But <laughs> sure. uh, but still, it's it's really, really nice, and I really enjoy the fact that it feels like they're starting to give more attention in some ways to the American market for enhancing the collector experience. Yeah, the normal ETB for sure. I mean, it just looks so cool. Uh, I do want to mention that I, we have been putting images in the video. I guess we forgot to mention this at the top of the podcast, <laughs> but we are going to put the links in the description now. So I feel like 
we got some feedback where it's a lot easier just for people listening on Spotify, where we get most of the listeners to just click on the link and look at it while still watching. Whereas like if someone misses the part that we pop it up on the YouTube video, it's harder for them to look it up. So we're just not going to be popping up as many images now, but they'll be all in the description. But uh, yeah, the uh, normal Lost Origin Elite Trainer Box. It looks really cool. Comes with a really awesome pin with the Origin Form Giratina. Mm-hmm. And even the coin, too. But, uh, yeah, this just brings me right back to the Platinum days. It just seems like a <laughs> a Platinum product if the ETBs were out back then. And they have the three-pack blisters. Like, I love the three-pack blisters. It has a Charizard coin in there. So many people swear that they get better pulls, and I just don't know if, if I believe that. I can't. T- I know you said that. <laughs> Back in the day, that. that sure seemed what it would be, but yeah, who knows? I mean, it's uh, definitely possible, but I I don't know. I think I I bought several of them, and it's been I, I mean some decent pulls, some uh, pulls like pretty much no different than buying a booster box. It feels like it just kind of whatever happens happens. I think people think that because you're opening three packs, so the chance of a hit is higher. Whether like, so if you buy one of those and get a hit, and you buy a booster pack and mm-hmm. get a hit, like it feels the same. But you're more likely to get a hit out of the three packs, and you are the one. So over time, people just think they're better. You know, they're not really paying attention to like, well, you're buying three packs. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, pretty cool artwork, and uh, I'll be probably trying to open one of these. I mean, I like the set artwork for sure. Honestly, with uh, I also obtained or made a Tenso account, so I can buy products through a third party through the Poke- Japanese Poke Center, and I got my first package from it and i am excited to be able to start buying the japanese booster boxes um there really is no comparison i am reminded that every time i open the japanese product but i think i'm gonna have to open the the japanese version if i open any of the lost origin yeah yeah it seems like for fun value and how the cards look like japanese is continuing to be the way to go but uh other than that, I mean, real quick, we just had the World's 2022 London artwork revealed. Um, really cool logos. The London is made up of, like, Pokemon holding items. You got, like, Sabo holding an umbrella, Scorbunny kicking a ball. A lot of, you know, London-themed things. Like, you got the uh, Stonehenge, the Stonehenge Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say the end is Stonehenge, isn't it? Or that's what it's supposed to look look like. Yeah. And each letter is like a Pokemon or a Pokemon doing something to like look like the letter. Mm-hmm. So really cool design there. We also have a Rosalia and a Pikachu holding roses. So that just kind of seems to be like the mascot theme. They're almost in like a, a jumper and like a top hat type thing. Uh, yeah. I can already see the Pokemon Go event with the Roserade and the Pikachu already. And honestly, I I can't wait for it. And I also, I know the Poke Center is going to have these versions for sale. You know they are. They always do. And it'll be hard not to buy that Pikachu. Yeah, I wonder if they'll have like a special promo or something for it. 
Especially cool. since there's going to be, you know, the TCG uh, collab this year and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing I thought was interesting, or the bigger part of the news, was people are going to have to schedule a reservation to get into the Pokemon Center at London. So not only do you have to buy a ticket and go, but you have to, like, buy a ticket to get into the Pokemon Center at Worlds. So that's kind of weird. A lot of people, you know, their feedback was understanding and, like, yeah, it makes sense because, you know, these events, especially the Pokemon Center, I think the last time we had something like this was 2019, but people said just to get in was crazy because... You know, you're really starting to see the hype start to take off even in 2019. So just imagine it now, just people trying to flood in there. Yeah, there's a few comments on under the Pokey Beach uh, news article where there's several individuals who say they actually understand why they're doing something like this. Apparently, it was absolutely ridiculous. So I can only imagine how crazy it was for I bet I bet they probably sold out of a lot of product. Honestly, it was yeah, uh, based and I, on how people are talking about it, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a uh, like a drawing to see who enters. Like, okay, you can enter the Pokemon Center at this time, or stuff like that. But you know, something like that would be really hard to do with the events going on and trying to plan that out. But uh, yeah. yeah, they're just I don't know. Whatever's in the Pokemon Center is going to be that much harder to get. So. Hopefully they don't do something like, what was it? Uh, the team, I believe the team rocket case uh, with the Giovanni promo and the full art with uh, Jesse and James. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's, I know there's a lot of world's exclusive, uh, you know, merchandise that they do. So, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, with that, I guess we can move on to the main topic. There, like I said, it was pretty short there, but uh, yeah. So, things we would change in the hobby to make it better. Ugh, there's a lot, um, especially yeah. over the last uh, couple years. Um, but uh, yeah, who should start? Who's got the the number one? <laughs> You want to go you can ahead? Go ahead and start. Honestly, honestly, you, you okay. go ahead. I have a few things listed, but I'm in no rush. So, in my my thing, which I kind of mentioned before multiple times, but I just wanted to reiterate it because it's my number one thing, and it's cut down on the pools or the pool pool, if that makes sense. So. We talked about it before. Rainbow Rares have been around a long time. They need to go. Just eliminate all the Rainbow Rares. Or you can keep them and just get rid of some other stuff. But I'd like to see them go. But essentially right now we have the Reverse Hollow that you get in every pack. A Hollow that you get in like 1 and 3. That Hollow can be a V. And then can turn into a V Max. You can get a rainbow rare. You can get a rainbow rare of the VMAX. Then you got the alternate art cards. And then you got the gold cards. <laughs> so it's like, not only can you still open a pack and not get any of those, which I think is a problem, 
there's just too many things to get. The odds of you getting actually what you want is a lot lower. But there's some problems with that as well. So back in the day, you know, the thing that makes me think about this the most is like back in the day with the Diamond and Pearl sets, black and white era when I was getting pretty heavily back into collecting, specifically Diamond and Pearl era, you know, a hollow was a good pool. But people also collected sets more back in the day because you can actually obtain them through opening things. Nowadays, that's pretty much impossible. Back then, you had essentially secret rares to chase after. Every set had secret rares, and that was pretty much it. A set I'm thinking of, I think it was like Rising Rivals or uh, Supreme Victors. They had like the Flying Pikachu and Surfing Pikachu as hollows as a secret rare slot. Some other ones had like a Hitmonchan, Scyther, and Electabuzz reprint from base set as a hollow. Um, some sets even earlier than that had like a base set Charizard. Or maybe, no, that was a little after when they had the Stormfront Charizard. But like in Stormfront, you had like Secret Rare Charizard to chase after. But the point is, is like when you actually hit a Secret Rare, your Secret Rare pool was only one of three cards. So you had a pretty high chance of opening what you wanted eventually. And the experience was really good. You could go to Walmart, you could buy a three blister pack. And, you know, you do that like every week and odds are you'll hit one because you don't really need to open up a whole lot of cards to get to that point. But uh, we might have a problem with that today because people just won't buy as much product. Especially with the breaker mentality today, people buying so many more cards than they used to back then and the hobby just being totally obliterated by numbers, you know, than it was back then. I don't think that can sustain itself in today's hobby. I wish we could go back there. That'd be perfect for me, someone who doesn't want to buy like a ton of packs, but I just really don't think we can go back. Well, it's interesting that you suggest that because I think there's something that they can do to continue having sets be large with the English product, but also still be rewarding to open for people to continue to buy. And I think that is making the pack opening experience more enjoyable. Having it to where you can get a nice reverse hollow, a, a, a hollow, and even like a V or a V max, or even like a trainer card, basically just like how you could in the, in the Japanese packs. Yeah. I think it, you can potentially have a larger pool, but still continue that, that profit driven mentality that, that you see with any sort of company but also give a great experience to the, the consumer. I don't know what you think about that, though. But Yeah, so like with that, I was thinking that's actually kind of one of my notes, like what would I do personally? Mm, and okay. I think the problem lies in the non-hollow and hollow region because, you know, you can open a pack and just get a reverse hollow and that's it, and it's a dud. Even if you get just a normal hollow, it's considered a dud nowadays. So... 
why are we filling up so many secret rares when like the majority of packs are, you know, duds? Even a V is already considered like a dud. Yeah. So what we could do is cut down on a lot of the extra stuff. So when you do get a pull, it's more likely something that you want. You can make it a little harder to pull, you know, still keep the same rate. But I personally think that it would almost be beneficial to get rid of the rare and reverse hollow and maybe make it to where you could get a hollow in every pack, but also make that hollow be possible with any card in the set. So you might open a pack that's maybe a dud and your hollow is like a weedle. But you might open a pack and your hollow is a rare. And with every card that's hollow right now being a rare, it just kind of takes away from that. But if you can if you can lessen, you're almost like lessening the experience by like giving them a hollow weedle. But to me, I mean it's kind of cool. You hardly ever see a hollow weedle. So it's like you'll have RIP um hashtag collectors. You'll sure. have <laughs> Well, I mean, you'll be pulling a hollow every pack, but it can just be any card in the set. So, I mean, yeah. you're taking away the reverse hollow collectability, and maybe you could still have it there, I guess. You can do reverse hollow and hollow this way. But it it almost adds another layer of collectability. It adds, you know, a lot more variation to, like, lesser cards that people might not care about. You could, like, hollow out a whole deck. Um... It just adds a lot of things, and you know every pack you open, you you can't wait to see what the hollow is because hollow rares will actually be a little more rare again because that hollow could be a common. So I think that's one way to tackle, you know, the overall experience and add benefits. Um, but they still need to like limit it, like. They, I, I hate how they introduced V and V Max kind of at the same time. Um, but yeah, my my perfect pack would be like a hollow in every pack, but the hollow could be any card. You can even have some reverse hollows or variants within that. And then the V and V Max is okay, but then you can have like alt arts and then a couple gold cards. You know, that, that cuts out the rainbow rare, that cuts out the reverse hollow. Maybe each set could have, like, one gold card. And each set can maybe have, like, three alt arts to chase. I think that would be the perfect balance right now. Maybe not the perfect, but a little better one for me. Yeah, and it's actually great that you went first. Because what you said is fantastic, and I can piggyback on it with my number one issue and that's making the English product similar to Japanese product and I say that because what you describe in the construction of the packs is very comparable to the Japanese construction of packs and I don't think that's a coincidence by any means Yeah, uh, because the opening experience as I, I know I've mentioned this quite a bit it's Basically, like I'm being a dead horse over here, but you can, I pulled 
four great cards from one pack. It was like a trainer card, it was a VMAX, it was a hollow, and then they have this other weird reflect like reflection foil that's almost like stars within the underlying uh, image. Like this 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 foil that is very sparkly when you put it in the right light. And it's just mesmerizing to experience. And you feel like you're opening when you're opening the packs, it feels like you're opening something special, like a Willy Wonka bar. Like, I got the golden ticket, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. really what it feels like when you're opening the a lot of the Japanese packs. And every time I open Japanese, especially with how they've increased the, the stock and quality throughout the last year to attract more collectors and to really have collectors something to look forward to, and it's impossible not to notice. And you compare that to the English product, and you get some sort of half-cut, off-centered monstrosity where you look at it and you feel offended that you ever bought this product. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like uh, the, the quality, the reverse hollows isn't there. Like... If you haven't seen like Japanese product for modern, I mean, just the the stuff just pops. It's hard to explain. Like, it's like I don't know. I think I told this to you before. It's like the the English side is flashy and shiny, but the Japanese side is like brilliant, and sparkly. Like it just pops more. English is good, but like Japanese just has its own unique like sparkle and. Stuff like that. And now compare that to the English products where they were more worried about quantity than quality. And you start obtaining these packs where you don't get anything. You get a, a rare. And it'll be like a rare of a Pokemon you've never, you might not be very experienced with. That's sometimes what I have. Oh, like, that's that's cool, but it's just rare. And like you think about what a pack costs nowadays, like a single pack, it's like five bucks. And I can't help but, but think, like I just spent five bucks for this. Yes, yeah. that is a part of like the, the gambling aspect. I get it, and it's like it's like a numbers game. But you get it, and your cards are all beat up because they're they're printing nine point one billion cards. Yes. <laughs> The quality yeah. control is out the window, and it's just a numbers game with how many are escaping quality control out of sheer n numbers being printed. And uh, it's just really, really frustrating. Yeah, for sure. It just sucks. And thing I hate about that, which is another talking point, is I hate how they like take some cards purposefully out of the Japanese products and make their own special boxes and promos here in the U.S., which, you know, I guess it caters to other people, but, I mean, they're starting to get so many products nowadays, it's just kind of getting ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I wish that it was a little more uniform across the board, basically, to say the least. But yeah, I mean, yeah, how you described a pack, it would be great if they could make the English product just as the way they described either dropping rainbow rares and replacing it with something else mm -hmm. but maybe not doing as plentiful and then just making the experience a lot better that way you can still keep your large sets 
they they have done better, as we mentioned, with like the ETBs, and they've even had a few North American exclusives, which doesn't happen very often. And I feel like we're going towards a trend in the right direction, but I also feel like they're trying to keep their distance because they don't like how some of the products go to high values on the secondhand market. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's part of the reason why they limit some of the releases in the North American marketplace. But I'm not really sure about that definitively. Yeah, and like, you know, we saw it with the special livery Pikachu. You know, they're, they kind of backed off that idea real quick. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of released the Bidoof just to get the Charizard people to shut up. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll be doing any of that stuff in the future. Um, maybe they'll test the waters again now that hype's died down. But, yeah, they'd really have to print a ton of them. Anything you would change as far as, like, people making content on yes. the hobby? Yes, there is. Well, we so we don't see it as bad as it was in a lot of areas since the hype, right? Like, obviously, there was issues with scalping because of supply and demand. And a lot of those people have since either left the industry or just overall stopped participating in any way, shape, or form in the the hobby. And one of the issues that seemed to have continued, and I don't think it's going to leave anytime soon, is streamers and whatnot streamers really, really going crazy with how high they're listing their packs, just so you can see it open on camera. And there's some of these streamers are only sending you if it's a rare, like a hit. It might not even be a V, as you mentioned. Only if it's like a V Max or something will they send. So you might spend what twenty plus bucks on th- three packs. Yeah. You don't get I- any of it. I mean, at a certain point, you do have to like question why are the con- why is the consumer doing this? Like at, at a certain point, you do. But well, the and problem people is, throw, they're throwing in offers now where it's like the top five hits get graded. <laughs> so it's like, or, yeah. It's like okay. It's like why don't you just grade like all the hits? Well, it's like oh no, just the top five hits get graded. So even if you get a hit, you might not be the top five. <laughs> and what what defines the, the the top five hits? You know, what if it's something that it's literally between you and, and, and another V Max or something, and whoever likes the other Pokemon more? <laughs> yeah. So it's just. I believe some people think they're donating in support of a content creator. I do believe there is a little bit of that. And these individuals feel like they're supporting, quote unquote, a friend. And I believe there are individuals, worse and worse perpetrators than the whatnot streamers who are wholly take advantage of this concept. And... We can usually spot from a mile away. We won't name any names, but I think you know one of the people I'm referring to where it is so obvious, you wonder how does anybody even continue to buy from this individual? But I believe in some ways it's some people are taking advantage of kindness, essentially. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's just a marketing thing. And people want to buy into the hype they're watching. They want, 
you know, like, oh, I want to pack. Like, I just want to be shout out. And just, you know, people sit there and watch and hear these people shout out. And then they, they want to buy a pack just to hear their name. And it just kind of makes them feel good for a second. But, you know, that's kind of what they take advantage of. And, you know, not hating on anyone who does it. I just don't see how or, like, why people continue to buy stuff like that. And we've been kind of seeing some backlash on the whatnot side of things here lately. But, uh, yeah, just the streaming mentality is just really gotten to a breaker mentality and it's just kind of kind of sad yeah i do think so how whatnot really began like you obviously with um hogan paul and the first edition box break i know i participated in that hoping i would get a free pack you know i was i remember we were my girlfriend was driving we were visiting family like three hours away and the whole the whole ride almost i was just clicking that button trying to win something and of course on the final like pack the internet was starting to crap out because it was because we were driving towards the country and i didn't even see i had to ask you i didn't even see that they actually gave up an unlimited booster box available they just gave it away and i'm like you gotta be kidding me (laughs) but 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 you know i mean i wasn't gonna win there was like fifteen thousand people in the chat (laughs) yeah (laughs) or or whatever it was but it's a cool uh, system like for giveaways and stuff but it can be cool, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the way they did that, I mean, showed the potential. But it's like they just got so many people on board. Um, I don't know how official it was, but I had someone reach out to me even, you know, early on. They like, hey, would you be interested in, you know, selling parts to your collection on on whatnot? And I was like no (laughs) like do you see my page like i don't sell anything hardly it's like i'm not i'm not here to make money uh even if i did you know i kind of see it as like a a sellout thing and like too you know too surface level for me like when i sell something big i take my time with it i like to like investigate the person buying it and stuff like that unless it's you know just on ebay but uh yeah, it just seems like they just took anybody, and uh, it's unfortunate that it's kind of went that way. But, yeah, with the Logan Paul break and all the giveaways, I mean, it's really cool, like, how they did the layout, and there's something there to work with. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't know what the perfect breed of it is. They very obviously took, you know, advantage of the breaking mentality, but... They need to kind of look at something else. <laughs> yeah, I can't see a real benefit for everyday packs really to be purchased through these avenues. I think if it's like something that benefits charity or a certain percentage benefits charity, then I I would be that I would be okay with that personally, and I, that would that would justify having an increased price, even if you are making a little profit, knowing that a certain percentage is going towards charity. Uh, but that's the vast majority is just going towards charity, towards YouTubers and streamers. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not no. I don't really think there's as much taking advantage of it as it's also people falling prey or willingly throwing their money towards the service 
and being okay that they might not even get anything back. But there's some of it where it's they're taking advantage of naivety, naivety still, in my opinion. But again, if you're if you're paying attention, to, if you're active in a lot of those communities with whatnot streamers and actually paying these prices, yeah. I think you kind of have to question why are you doing it? Yeah, and really, I mean, it's just uh, almost like a sellout thing. I watch this guy. He does a lot of sports cards online and he's like going through these conventions and he's like picking up cards in the dollar bin just to sell and whatnot, just to keep it going. It's like, dude, why even like, you know, having to search for product, having to like go live. I, I hate being live is another thing for me. And it's like, oh, it's just such a mental load to like do all that stuff. And it would just well, be so exhausting. Yeah, and I imagine because we have reached bottom in a lot of markets and they are printing this ultra-modern product to absolute oblivion, that there's a lot more people, especially these 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 streamers and YouTubers that try to, quote-unquote, make it big through the same thing that everybody else has done, that they're finding out that it's not able to be maintained long-term. Yeah, and I think you'll start seeing a more fizzle out of a lot of these people, unless they're just doing it on their own free time and they're okay doing it for years and even using their own money. But I think you'll see a lot of fizzling out, even more fizzling out, as we start realizing what's the new norm in this hobby, because I think we are approaching, in a lot of ways, the new norm. Yeah. That almost leads into my next point perfectly. <laughs> so basically, like, what is the new norm um, and what it should be? So my next point is, like, you know, with the breaker mentality, cost for shout-outs, influencers feeling like friends, so people give them money just to, like, be shout-out. You know, a lot of that's going to change um, you'll still have the breaker channels out there that are, you know, doing well, nothing against them. Um, a lot of them have big stores, so they break it for inventory, um, or they have Patreon programs, stuff like that, where people can like pre-order the product and crack it open, you know, more power to you. But pretty much the last two years, the biggest YouTube channels have been like, pump and dump or investing or, you know, investment advice. <laughs> like they're the most brilliant investors of our time talking about <laughs> hollow cardboard. You know, that is slowly going away, thankfully. Um, you know, before I remember going back and looking at an old YouTube channel and just going through his old videos and stuff like that. And you get to see how they evolved and like the the openings from back in the day, which now pretty much everyone's become numb to openings because you just see so much product opened. But uh, pretty much everyone you look back on, like if you look back between 2020 and 2022, like everyone's going to have the same videos talking about, you know, the next hot product and what the market is doing on this current product and the market's going down, reprints are coming, 
You know, it's just going to be the same stuff, and it's just so boring at this point. So what I would like to see is, you know, people just getting back to making quality content, making, like, research-based or info-based videos, you know, opening packs and talking about a set in depth or showing off the cards or why certain cards are cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, we just stretched so far into the hype and all the investment stuff. And I really wish we had like more informative and interesting Pokemon videos out there. Um, cause to me, the, the most interesting videos and stuff like that are over two years old. And, uh, we just need to get back to making that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I'm starting to make that stuff already. So just would like to have more of that. Yeah. Um, I can't reiterate how often I see the term investing, investing, investing. And it's not just the streamers and YouTubers. It's a term circulated even amongst social media communities various subreddits discord whatever i see the term and i get the vibe that they're only in this hobby still for investing reasoning i know this isn't exactly everybody within the hobby i know a good portion is here to enjoy it but there still is too much of a influence of investing in these items now, as you mentioned, or hey, will this be a good investment? Will this card be a good investment? And it's a CGCA unlimited Neo Hollow. And it's not even just the lack of knowledge in some areas. It is just if you're looking at every card as an investment opportunity, I think you're going to miss out on things you enjoy and you're going to be burnt out in the hobby fairly quickly. Yeah. Especially when you don't see the returns that you're wanting from your investment. You don't see very many people uh, use ROI. Thankfully, I'm, I'm glad we, we don't see a lot of that. Like what's your ROI on that? Uh, hollow. I had, <laughs> I've had friends who, uh, <laughs> Back in 2020, they were talking about buying a box or buying some packs, and they were they were yeah definitely on that level. It's like, dude, <laughs> I don't know. They almost bought some packs. I think it was from ZNG Emporium, and I actually talked to him, and uh, he's like, "He has us in my way," and then uh, thankfully they backed out. But I mean, they were adamant on buying some packs, and I was like, "Well, this guy's doing a break. That's that's where you should buy him." And uh, they were definitely going to regret that purchase if they uh, had bought those <laughs> today. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting hearing that. And these individuals are buying things that will take decades to ever really see any sort of return. And with the opportunity cost, you're arguably l losing money on the experience. Yeah. Um, and the few I the few modern items that are worth it, like the EV Heroes gem box, you more and more people have finally realized that. And I do believe there's a lot of people that have bought those boxes and they're never going to open them. I know we're one of those people. 
but you know what? They've gone up. What was it like sixty percent since we he bought it? Yeah. So it's like the things that you should be looking at to buy either for collection purposes or you're looking at things that you think will not go down in value. A lot of individuals are just completely missing because they're so obsessed with the the hype from 2020. And the hype they saw from 2020 was obviously, you know, vintage, but also some modern. And they're just like, oh, it's going to go up. It's going to go up. And they're already get they're already getting caught in a trap. Yeah. And the same the same things hold true. Like, you know, Japanese special boxes have always been, you know, really good products to appreciate and value. And uh yeah, when the E B Hero set came out and this box came out, I remember telling you, like, this is the box. Yep. <laughs> and like even uh even the stamp promo, uh Beauty looking back, you know, I was like, This is the promo. <laughs> so there's after being in the hobby for so long there's certain things that release like yeah the Eevee Heroes special set box is cool but they have the special box the artwork is cool there's a unique Espeon B-Max promo that you can only get in this box you get two booster boxes in it I mean mm-hmm. it's like it was a home run product and now here we are just short amount of time later and we're already you know doing pretty well on that yeah the promo isn't i don't think the promo within it will be as iconic as some of the other uh japanese boxes like the pretend uh costume pikachu or like the mario boxes like those promos those promos are incredible and the the sp on v max is i mean it's good artwork but it's i mean it's really no comparison, in my opinion, aesthetically. Yeah, they should have done other... like a special Eevee, or like Eevee. It was like all a unique them. Eevee art. I would say, or all of the evolutions in one. Yeah, if they would like have done, one. if they would have done that, <laughs> I mean that that'd be a thousand box right now. It is six hundred right now, but yeah, and you can find them maybe a little cheaper if you get lucky. If somebody's trying to dump it, but like if you're gonna buy that box, you best do it quick before it gets to the point where it's really not worth it. Yeah. But. And I mean, a lot of the value going for it is the two booster boxes. And mm-hmm. as we get farther away in this set, not being printed again in Japanese, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty crazy. Cause like yeah, I think the bo- a booster box is going for like 200, 250. Is it really? I, I know the last I looked, they were like under 150. So if they're going that high, they'd be greasy even even further. And the interesting thing is, is the fact that the the chase card is so hard to pull in that set. The Umbreon Altart VMAX is significantly more difficult to pull than in the English version. Yeah. And if you're, if you're trying to chase that card, you're not going to get it. <laughs> Those boxes are, uh, they are higher. I mean, they're anywhere from 180 to 250. But, okay. I mean, they're kind of yeah. all over the place. I'm seeing 224, they, 205. It wasn't, I feel like it was just earlier in the spring I looked and they were like 130, 150. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't too long ago. I know it wasn't during the dead of winter. I, I remember that. I was just curious and I was like, oh, that's not too bad. I still have some time. Well, I guess I should have looked again because the fact they're going for 200s. 
Yeah, uh, right, at, right at 200 seems to be the, the going rate. You find a few lower, but even more, a little higher. Mm. So, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. That, that's a home run set all around. Even English, I mean, yeah, down the road, I mean, you have to hold on to it for a while because it's getting reprint, but um, Evolving Skies Booster Box would be a good one to hold on to, but... You know, if you could, everybody else is doing that is the only issue. Yeah, if you could, I would go after the Japanese side, especially if that set has a special box like the EV Heroes. I think a good comp is the twentieth uh, anniversary set with uh, CP6 and Evolutions. Yeah, I think that'll be potentially a pretty good historical comparison within the market. If how you look at the CP6 reached over two thousand for the booster box and. And then the evolutions has kind of simmered down around seven, eight hundred, I think. Uh, last I looked, so I think that's. But, but you know, but the thing with the, evolu- the evolutions was it had a huge resurgence within the hobby. So we, we'd have to see another huge re-entry into the hobby for for that set, evolving skies, for it to really, I think, reach that point. But could be wrong. Who knows? It could be significantly more love than evolutions. So yeah, one thing I'm interested in is the. Um, ultra premium collection from celebrations because I highly doubt that box is going to get a reprint but um, I think the grading companies are still not grading the metal cards and I know CGC and PSA were looking into it and based on CGC's track record of pretty much trying to authenticate and grade any misprint or air cut card I believe they are trying to find out something and I think patience is definitely worth it right now because they, you know, they said patience for us for towards their population tool. And it, they pump, it, it took a while when they pumped it out, it, it, they hit it out of the park. And I think that, I think you'll see huh, something similar with those um, handle cards. Yeah. And you know, those boxes are going for 300, 350 now. So they're, I, they're on the rise I, a little bit. Yeah, I think though it's hard to say, particularly, but I think like when it hit 220, I think that was like it be, being a low, and I think it's normalized towards what it's going to be for a little bit, anyways. But I could be I could be mis- mistaken on that. I just everybody is keeping these sealed, so it's just like most people aren't opening. I feel like so I just don't know. Well, they they it, said it makes me that. nervous. Yeah, they sat at two fifty, two sixty for quite a while, mm-hmm. and that price point made sense based on like getting them graded and all that. But I mean, since they're not grading these cards, for one, I think the product's gonna go up over time just because the metal cards and it's such a unique product. Yeah. Um, but now with them not even grading the cards, like that's kind of dampened it a little bit. And it's almost going to help it when they announce that they're grading those again because we're going to see a resurgence of people buying those, I think. And then I think they they could have potential to really go up. Um, Looks like TCA Gaming just sold the PSA 9 Metal Charizard. This is back May 26th um, for $8.30. So... Well, we should be careful when looking at that because the population is no doubt much lower and there's going to be a lot of nines when they're sent off to be graded, a lot of them. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much of that is supply and demand and 
That's what I'm and saying. What, like, yeah. Either way. But once they're graded, but once they're graded, it should lower, in my opinion, at least. And the PSA nine should be, but well, that's, that's how thing, I would like, see it. it. It doesn't matter though. Like people are going to see that and try to jump on and buy the boxes. So. Oh yeah, the box. Yeah, I, I thought you were you were trying to say like. It's still going to be pricey, is what I think. Like yeah. the, the PSA nines, but yeah, the box will it will it will come down like the actual yeah. cards, obviously. Yeah. But that's going to be a driving factor for the box to go up, I think, because more people are going to open them, more people are going to buy the box in hopes of grading the Charizard, because they're going to see that price. Granted, like most people should realize that that's going to come down a little bit, but I mean, even if it comes down to five hundred bucks at three fifty, it's worth buying that box and getting it graded you know yeah i, I like where it was at the lower point 250 i i should have bought it then but i end up buying like the i finished the rcs cards instead but i still think 250 was was a great deal for what the contents had and until it starts like increasing above 500 I, I I just feel like it will go up i agree with you it will go up when they said they'll start grading the the metal cards again i think there's going to be some slow growth but i could be mistaken i think i think i think eventually it will get to a point but i think i'm like short term like five to ten years i i just don't know if it's going to be like three to four thousand even because so many individuals are buying it with the sole intention of never opening them yeah and once one sells for four thousand, that's when the floodgates open, or like some you know crazy price, whatever it might be, right? When it starts it starts getting higher, I, I I just see it's gonna be steady rise, and then I would think it's gonna hit a certain point, and then be another steady rise. You know, I just yeah, I think it's gonna be a quick snap. Like the boxes are gonna shoot to five hundred, I think very quickly once they get graded again. Um. Because there isn't a huge amount of them out there on the market. Because like you said, most people are just holding on to them. But I think immediately there's going to be like a snap to 500 bucks, And then maybe trickle back to like 400 to 450 um, and then which, I think Which is what they were going for when they first released. Yeah, and I think the, the Metal Charizards, I think they'll snap probably downwards to like 500, 600. And then maybe trickle down a little farther slowly. So I think the reaction will be real quick. Like cards will go down, box will go up, and then they'll kind of level out. Like the Charizard might overshoot down and then come back up. The box might overshoot up and come back down. And then they'll kind of level out and then find their place. And then from there, slowly grow. Yeah, because I remember the metal Charizard. So, that you know, he said TCA Gaming was at 830. Uh, it wasn't too long ago they were selling for well over a grand. Yeah. Like, so they're already, you know, even with the market drying up a little bit for all the overall supply since PSA stopped grading them, uh, it's interesting to see where it'll fall. I think, honestly, a nine will just be a few hundred dollars once it starts hitting low. But we'll see whenever the people start grading again when they're able to. I think they'll... I think they'll go down to maybe 400 when it's all said and done, like the ultimate low, like when the, like 
six months after they announced they're grading them again or whenever people sent them in at the lowest grading tier when all those come back. I think 400 might be the ultimate low for like a PSA 9. But I don't know. They're selling metal cards right now or 100 apiece. So we'll see. That's just a really interesting product and interesting situation. Mm -hmm. So... But, uh, kind of went off on a, on a little bit of a tangent there. I feel like we we both did. We both just kind of got caught up in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it goes to show. I mean, that's something mm-hmm. else the hobby could change is, you know, more special products like this because yep. we just went off on EV Heroes and Ultra Premium Collection, good or bad. I mean, people talk about it, and they're definitely one of the most unique English and Japanese products out there. So even... And- even the gold been, box, you know. Yeah, the really gold good. box too. I was gonna say the other next one that's coming up. I think it's gonna be the next one in the line that we're, that we're discussing is the precious collection box of the. I think it's the three twenty SP promo or something like that, or the three hundred three, whatever one with Pikachu and the rest of the just Sword and Shield legendaries and like the Crobat and all that. Yeah, I think that card. Yes, they are ordering basically to demand but that is another one of those cards that could very easily shoot up in price within a few years yeah it's almost going back to like the festa promos Mm -hmm, exactly like that's the new festa promo essentially and this sun and moon equivalent is you know what i last saw was like seven eight hundred dollars on ebay obviously there's less printed then, or there will be less printed than this one, but still. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, the only other note I have here is just, you know, overall people getting back to enjoying the hobby. I think that is just what needs to change the most. Um, you know, the people making investment videos need to just get back to enjoy the hobby, like make videos on, you know, the cards, something you enjoy. Maybe they enjoy talking about the numbers. I don't know, but (laughs) maybe that's just them. But yeah, I think there's just far more enjoyment, like digging into the hobby, making more quality videos. Um, People just sitting there breaking cards for eight hours a day. They're not really enjoying the hobby. Maybe they're enjoying the money from the hobby or popularity from cracking all the packs and getting people to watch them, but they're not enjoying those cards. And trust me when I say that after a certain point, it feels like a chore when you're opening. Like you get to a certain point in opening where it, it feels laborious and... Quite dull. It becomes a job, which is what it is to them, you know. Yeah, it's 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 not fun. There was several times with battle styles and even Eevee heroes, where I mean, I love opening Eevee heroes. Don't get me wrong; it was so cool. Like it felt like every pack was a hit. But it got to a point where I wasn't enjoying anymore. I was like, I just have to stop. Yeah. And I mean, I did. I still got basically two whole. Two whole boxes, and then I got, uh, you know, seal ones, and then I got two more where I got the secret rare within the first three packs, so I stopped. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I know there's been – I know I ha- actually had a friend that I bought for. I bought a booster box with all mine, and 
of course, he got like three to four secret rares in his box. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it wasn't quite a god box, but it was, he got very lucky. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Yep. Well, I guess we can jump on to the questions. I mean, just uh, let us know what you all think, though. I mean, what are some things you would change in the hobby? Uh, I essentially just want it to go back to its roots and be more of a, a simple thing. Um, yeah, it just needs to be just more simplified and going back to enjoying the hobby. Yeah, I want to say overall, um, just like a quick recap, my biggest thing is I want increased quality and opening experience in the English product. And it's not like the, it's, it goes down to the stock and design of the card. That's some of the key differences between both both different markets between the Japanese and the English product. And I think some people will always think the English product is better and that's fine. It's just the opening experience is not fun. It, it, it really isn't. It feels like what we were describing. It feels laborious because I might open 10 packs and get one decent hit, like maybe like one or two hollows and then maybe some V of some, Pokemon, and then I might get a VMAX, and that'd be considered a decent box, and it really isn't. <laughs> yeah. I just got an email that Pokemon Center just uh, had some new Pokemon Go arrivals, like you can buy the team hoodies, zip-up hoodies and hats and okay, tropical shirts and backpacks, <laughs> mm. crossbody bags. So, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I said the, the the hoodies I'll have to take a look at or sure that, that might be kind of cool. I'll have to take a look at that once we're done recording. Yeah, but anyway, guys, moving on to the questions. Um, my question was kind of touched on. Um, how do you feel about cards getting pulled from Japanese product for promo boxes in the U.S.? It could. Uh, I think it cheapens some of these cards because they look like. Not are they, not only are they the chase cards, but they're I don't want to call them grails because they're not quite grails. But if you're a fan of that card, it almost might feel like a grail if, if you're trying to go and chase after it. And I believe it cheapens the card, in my opinion. Like one of the cards in particular was the Harney cards. That was yeah. a very rare one, and the shiny Star V, a very rare pull, and. Yeah, everybody can can have it, but I just feel like one of the things that's so cool about that card is, one, she was a very sought-after character. A lot of people really like her, and I understand why they made it, because they know people, a lot of Americans or North American people in the marketplace like her, and they made a product for that. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a market for it, but I just felt like it cheapens the card, because then you put that yellow border instead of this silver border and it feels less like the quote-unquote golden ticket and more just like an heather card yeah like just any other trainer card and it cheapens the product overall and there's multiple cards where they've gone that route with yeah and i i think the same thing and it's more of just being a promo like anybody can get it you know you see the box you see the promo you buy the box you got it so it just takes away any rarity. Like, you'd almost have to buy the card because you really think it's cool. And there are a couple of promos like that 
like the Umbreon and uh, Deoxys. I think you have a copy of it. It's, you know, it's one of those cards where it's just so cool, or like the Darkrai mm. and Umbreon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. The, uh, the Alt-Dart from, what was that? Uh, it was from the, it wasn't Cosmic Eclipse. I think it was Tag Team. But yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. There's a promo box of it, and the artwork is good enough to where like you almost just want to buy the box. And I think the uh, there was like an Eevee and Snorlax that was like that. Um, the mimic the, version, yeah, yeah. The mimic you and Pikachu like the mirror, yeah. Promos which were in its own special box in Japan. So there's a perfect example. It's like it, it had its own special box, a really cool box, unique, you know, going up in value. And then you throw it in like a real cheap, like, booster pack promo blister, you know. It just takes away any of the, the cool value. And I, I almost want to go after the Japanese just because it's more, you know, elusive. Yeah, and there was actually a smaller set that included an Arceus from the mythical and legendary Dream Shine set. They made that into a XYP promo here stateside. And that yellow border, it made it from looking almost cosmic and lucid and very mythic-like, kind of like how Arceus is. That's what the Japanese variant looked like. And then they translated it and crossed over to English and put it in a box and it made it incredibly cheap looking with that yellow border surrounding it. Yeah. And it like I don't even want to collect it because it makes it look so cheap looking. I think a part of it is because they have that yellow border because it's like from Hansi and they're continuing to keep that on like the North American side. But sometimes you gotta break away from tradition and start doing something new. Yeah, I'd like to see it maybe change that up a little bit or something. Because with Watsi it worked, but it doesn't feel like it works anymore with the artwork that they're that they're putting out. Like the border does, the aesthetic absolutely influences how you interpret and view the artwork on on the card. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll change that, or you know, if they go to every hollow in a pack, that's something they could they could change to make it pop. Like they could uh, introduce like gold hollow border hollows or something like back in the call of legends i think it was but yeah i wish they uh would stop doing that i mean they'd be okay if they did it for a few but there's just so much like box special box product over here that i just think they're kind of overdoing it mm-hmm. but, well what kind of question you got for us okay it's a little bit more of a Fun question. Um, I couldn't quite think of one that would go with this topic. So, my question is which card would you keep if you decided to sell everything but one card? Huh. I don't know. I mean, got some of my cards here beside me. Honestly, probably right now. It'd probably be me keeping my favorite card of all time. And that's the 20th anniversary Festa Pikachu. Um, I would keep this probably over any old stuff. But just 
Because at this point, yeah, I like the old stuff more. That's always where I'll collect. But, I mean, this card right here just signifies the hobby perfectly. It's got Pikachu. It's got uh, Squirtle, Bulbasaur, Charmander hopping around it. It's got Confetti Hollow. It's got a 20th anniversary. Like, it's just a perfect card showing... Pokemon and that it's been here for 20 years and just a, such a cool artwork, such a cool hollow. I have it in a tin and it would just be the one card that I, I kept, you know, granted that I sold everything else to get money. <laughs> it's like, I'd be happy with the money and I just kind of keep this in my back pocket. Like, you know, knowing what I achieved and I have this card to celebrate that. But so yeah, I'd even sell my, First base Charizard, just to kind of capitalize on the money, I guess. Because, I mean, it's cool, but it's just cool because of what it is. You know, it doesn't... I particularly don't really care for the Charizard artwork from base set. Um, it's just symmetrically weird, you know, kind of left-sided heavy, and that's something I'm weird about with cards. Uh, but, yeah, that that'd probably be mine. What about you? So mine, I, I was actually thinking about it because it'd be very hard because I really like, I mean, we've kind of talked about like, you know, what's the core collection. And when it comes to that, it's the binder sets and my OG collection that I had since I was a kid. Yeah. Like if I were to sell everything, I'd probably just keep that thing. But in this scenario, if I were to just keep one card, it would no doubt be my base set unlimited charizard i pulled in my first three packs back in 1999 it is currently a psa 5 it's unlimited i walking into toys r us buying those packs and then opening it in, in the car that experience you know is with my brother and our and my dad is the one that took me there that is probably a core memory from my childhood and that attachment that nostalgia, I feel like it's almost ingrained into me. That is the one card that I can never, ever sell. I know, yeah, another card that I would probably keep, or that was a contender to pick, is kind of a similar story. And it was a, it was a hollow nine tails from base set. Like, that's the first hollow I remember pulling. And there's actually a picture of it somewhere where, like, I'm sitting there with my cousin. He's holding up, like, his non-hollow crappy card. And I'm holding up my hollow nine tails looking all smug. <laughs> and, like, that's the card I remember pulling very first. But, unfortunately, I don't think I have any of my original, original cards. Um, I think I mentioned it before. Like, my small stack of cards got stolen. And then I traded a lot for Yu-Gi-Oh! when I got into Yu-Gi-Oh! But so a lot of like my base set now is the base set that I bought getting back into the hobby, which, you know, at this point was over 10 years ago. So those are still special to me, but yeah, they're not my cards that I know I had back in the day. So there, there's not that, oh, I could never get rid of this feeling, you know? Yeah. But they are getting old enough to where like, I probably can't get rid of them because I've had them for so long. It's like I had them since back in the day. 
I would say 10 to 12 years, I mean, that's long enough for nostalgia and attachment to occur, especially with it is highly correlated with your inception of this of this hobby, you know, yeah. so. I think it's more like there, 15 now that I think about it. Like, it yeah. was a long time ago, like 2007, 2008. But, yes, yeah, pretty good cars there. Um, like I said, I just picked mine now because it just – it encapsulates the old school in me. It encapsulates the new school in me. And, like, it's just my favorite car of all time. And it encapsulates my memories, you know, me having one and selling it and having to buy it back and grade it. So there's that story that's attached to it. And there's many other cards that have similar struggles for me, but that encapsulates the struggle, the good, the old school, the new school, and everything about the hobby that I like. So, And then, of course, yours, yeah, just can't beat that story. So let us know yeah. what your cards would be down below. Anything else you want to add on with the questions? I guess we can move on to the game and wrap it up here soon. No, there's not too much. It was... Uh... You know, I have I don't quite have the promos in my collection like you do, but I knew you were going to pick that one as well. But uh, yeah, I, I figured when I made this question, I was like, I know exactly which card he is going to choose. It would almost it's, be the Grand Party too, because that's another one. I mean, going through all the years, like that Grand Party Double Black Star promo. Like, that's a card I always wanted, and it's considered, like, a low-key trophy. And just, I've always thought it was too expensive, even going back. I never pulled the trigger. And finally, when all this hype took off, you know, I sat down, made a calculated decision. Like, if I'm going to buy this card, like, people don't know about this card yet who are joining the hobby. This card is going to go up within the next two weeks. And sure enough, it did, and I jumped on it. Um, and graded a 10. So that's another cool story. And it goes back to like the very beginning where like it was a card that I never thought I'd owned. I always wanted to chase after. And there's a lot of cards that I own now that I thought the same thing for. But it was, it was never a card that I had and let go and bought again. You know, I, if I wanted it that badly, I would have bought it a, a lot earlier. Um, so it's got a lot going for it, but it, not as much as that Pikachu card. And the artwork is cool, but it's like a trainer card, so it's not like a full art or anything. But I would still take my PSA 5 Unlimited Charizard over that card if I just had one. <laughs> yeah. I Like I said, that Ninetales would be hard for me, but I hate the artwork on Ninetales because, again... Like, the symmetry is weird for me. So I don't know if I could pick that or not because I wouldn't really enjoy looking at it. Like, I would enjoy the memory, but mm-hmm. <laughs> not looking at it. It's like, oh, I wish this was like a Blastoise or something. But Yeah. Anyway, that about does it for the questions, guys. If you have any other questions you'd like us to feature on the podcast, shoot us a message or comment or... Do anything else to get our attention. But uh, moving on to the game. This is Guess That Flavor Text once again. We read the flavor text on a card and try to guess that Pokemon. 
What you got for me? Okay, so <laughs> this one, it fits the parameters, and I'll just get right into it. Um, once it becomes an adult, it has a tendency to let its comrades plant footprints on its back. Huh, getting freaky, huh? Yeah. So let it comrades plant footprints on its back. Huh. Said a oh. I'm trying for some reason mill tank is hanging out in my head. Is that a mill tank? No, it's not. <laughs> Hmm. Plant footprints on its back. I feel like this is going to be a real obvious one once you say it, but uh, you got you got a little hint for me. It is a Watsy promo. Hmm. So that helps narrow it down a little bit, I think. Yeah, maybe. I think it's the first promos any any of us have done. Uh, the plant footprints on his back is like what's really hanging me up. It's not it's an interesting terminology. Yeah. Um. Is it a grass type? No, it is not. A little misleading terminology there. Yeah. I feel like it's a Pokemon that would, like, hang out with others. Maybe. Um, is it a Snorlax? It is not. Yeah, this one might be stumping me. You obtain it through a special mechanic in Pokemon Go. Uh, is it Togepi? It is not. <laughs> Am I getting closer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's in the same generation as Togepi. I'll, I'll give you another hit. <laughs> or any of the babies? Is it Igglybuff? It is none of the babies. How about Smeargle? There you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, that is hard. Like, why would they put footprints on his back? And it says plant. <laughs> like, that's what got me. I was like, he's never going to get this. I don't think. At least not with help. And, like, paint footprints, you would have gotten that immediately. I wouldn't yeah. have even chosen it. But the plant footprints... Like, it makes sense once you realize what Pokemon it's tied to. Um, yeah, but just the ter Yeah, the terminology was just weird, but... Huh. Yeah, it is a strange one. I'm surprised I was able to get that, though. And then once I remembered the promo, it's like the special mechanic, kind of. Yeah, uh, I was trying to find a way to drop the term photobomb, but there was no way to do it smoothly. I, like, I couldn't think of a way to smoothly interject that word, so I was just like, maybe just give him more hints. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, which one do you got for me? All right. 
I got this one caught my attention because it was surprisingly a really cool artwork that I forgot about in a not so popular set. But it is the bubble like pattern on its stomach helps it camouflage itself when in the water. Might be pretty easy, might be not. <laughs> I would think polyworld. Uh, no. Polytoed? No, not quite. Bubble mechanic camouflages it when it's in the water. It's bubble-like pattern on its stomach helps it camouflage itself when in the water. Is it an Azumarill? It is Azumarill. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of what are other things, and I'm like, wait. It's actually a shiny Azumarill from Steam Siege. Is that the one where it's half, uh, like half fairy, half water card? Yep. Yeah, that one. I actually have a few of those. That one, that artwork, stuck out for me. And yeah, it's shiny. pretty unique card, and like the fact that it's shiny and it wasn't like a special card or anything. It was just an uncommon double typing, which is weird. Back when fairies were a thing. Yeah, they've done that with a few cards, but you know, in shiny Azumarill just very sticks out. It's like a little golden egg. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, we did okay on that. Yours was pretty tough, but uh, <laughs> I know, sometimes I try to find one. Like I don't find ones that are going to be easy. I'll say that I try to find one that are at least like moderate difficulty. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it was a Camille artwork. It was Watsy. I'm like. It's first couple gens. It's gonna be tricky, but if it's every you know every single parameters that we, that we try to set for it to make things not too tricky. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, it was a good one. But guess that pretty much wraps it up for this episode, guys. Uh, like we said, if you want to find anything we talk about, check the description below. I'll have the links to everything we mentioned, um, as well as timestamps. But uh, guess with that. We're not quite sure what the next episode will be, but we'll let you know on our socials, which are also in the description. But guess we'll just see you all next time. Yep, and we'll uh, make sure to give updates on a next potential episode. Uh, we kind of, as we mentioned before, we're kind of doing it more on a more current event basis. Yep. Yeah, probably, uh, you know, decide the week of in case something big comes up that we need to talk about and all that business because you never know what could happen. But, For uh, sure. Yeah, with that, we'll see you in episode 11. Peace out. <laughs>